listening to We Are History. I'm Angela Barnes. And I'm John O'Farrell. And John, you've picked today's subject. Now, I don't, I don't know. Very serious John. subject, oh, very important subject. It, it is a very serious subject, John. And we all know you're sex mad. So it's not a surprise that you've picked this as a subject. But you wanted to talk about the history of contraception. I think it's, uh, I think it's, you know, not at all because I think there's a chance for lots of smutty jokes and no, some no, curial giggling at the back of history. That. I mean, <laughs> so no, I thought that's a really uh, interesting thing that you don't hear much about, you know, because all yeah. you hear about generally is you hear about kings and battles and treaties and politicians, but the stuff that ordinary people were doing all the time and the things that all were... All the time. Oh, bloody all the time in the old <laughs> There's no Netflix, there's John. No, there's that's nothing the else thing. to do. <laughs> um, uh, you don't hear about that. And the other thing about that is not really written down anywhere. So uh, yeah. that's a challenge when you're doing uh, a history of a subject like this, because, you know, it's too embarrassing to mention. It's the same in our everyday lives now, of course. You don't go, how was your weekend? You know, oh, it was all right. I had a quite nice shag on Sunday after the Archer's <laughs> Omnibus, you know. <laughs> yeah, sending your letter home from boarding school. Dearest mother, we had a lovely game of Soggy Biscuit this morning. It's just not the done thing, It's not, it? no. So no. even in personal letters and diaries, um, um, you know, um, they're pretty reticent on the subject. But we've done our best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There are books out there. Yes. I, I have to say there's a book that you read and I didn't because yes. um, you're a member of London Library and could get it for free. Yes. And I, it was really expensive. Yeah, it was like 35 um, quid or something. So I've let, you do, yeah, I've let you do the reading on this one, John. Well, it was a bit of a slog, if I'm honest. I read The History of Contraception by Robert Jute. I think that's how you pronounce right. it. J-U-T-T-E. Utah. Utah, that'll be it, because he's German. Utah. It's translated from the German, yeah. and it was a bit of a slog, if I'm honest, Angela. It, right, it okay. Was, it was I'm, all... I'm, yeah, you didn't miss too much out there. I think dodged it, a bullet there, did I? Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, might have been better, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, lots about the religious and social attitudes to contraception and the, what the church was saying at any given point. And I didn't want to focus on that, Angela. No. I want to know what they were want... sticking on the end of their knob. <laughs> exactly. You can't make gags about religious attitudes, can you, John? You want... It's like, I want what to go, gags? you used That's what? Your... That's insane. <laughs> they were like, well, in the 13th century, the Vatican Council decreed the Cotus Interruptus was unholy. Yeah, never mind that. Uh, boring. They were, they were... What were they putting up their foofs? <laughs> Pomegranates, Angela. <laughs> Pomegranates up their foofs? That's madness. Foofs is foofs a word? Foofs a word. I'll tell you a little story. I Oh, God. It must have been 20 years ago now. My friend was a, um, a student filmmaker. She got commissioned to do this film for uh, Mates Condoms, like a promotional oh, yeah, yeah. film thing. And um, and the idea was they were these new condoms they'd designed that were um, supposed to be designed for ladies' pleasure. Oh, right. right? Okay. It's a marketing scam. You know. So the idea was that she would go around all these nightclubs across the country interviewing women about pleasure. Yes. Right. And and we just, there was this, it was in Newcastle and there was this girl out, a typical Newcastle girl on a night out, you know, January, no coat on, that sort of, (laughs) you know. And um, and my, my (laughs) she interviewed her and she just referred, she said, I can't remember what she said, but she said, me tits and me foof. (laughs) And and that just became a catchphrase for years between our friends. Me tits and me foof. Okay. Well, I'll try so, and use yeah. that word so, from now on. is a word. <laughs> um, mates condoms, since you mentioned it. I remember mm. at the time, Richard Branson launched them, didn't he? It? it was like Richard Branson's mates mm. condoms. And it's like, also, I'm going to fly a big balloon across the Atlantic. Oh, and it's going to puncture. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, yeah. and it's like, I'm not full of confidence with your condoms, mate. If your balloon is crashing somewhere over the Sahara, it <laughs> doesn't make me want to stick one of those on the end of my, my boyfriend. <laughs> boyfriend. I 
tell you, I just remember something else about those. Well, sod it. We might as well yeah. tell these funny stories. Um, I, so we were, she was my flatmate who yeah. made this film. And we lived in this little flat in New Cross. And she got given a box of these condoms, mm-hmm. right, to sort of, you know, for, for doing the film. So we had them in the flat. And they were a really weird shape. Okay. You, you opened them up then, had like you? open them up and We opened them up and had a look, obviously. And... Yeah. And um, the one night after, I'd gone for drinks after work with my friend Grant, who's a gay gentleman. Oh, yes. And we'd gone for a few drinks. And then um, he came back, we went back to my house to drink some more and watch a film or something. And we had a futon in the living room, right? And at some point during that, we'd drunk loads that night. And at some point during the night, I'd got one of these condoms out to show him what a funny shape they were. Right. right? Anyway, both of us just passed out on the futon watching telly. (laughs) The next morning, he wakes up, sees the condom on the floor, panics (laughs) that we've done, (laughs) and just goes home. Like, just leaves it. So, and then I got, you woke up. I got a phone call from the, like a mutual friend the next morning going, just had this really panicky phone call from Grant. He's really... I was like, no, no, we didn't do anything. We were just, I was just... I was just showing, was just showing him a condom. That is such... The, yeah, you were grooming him, Angela. That's so Poor clearly boy, what you were traumatized. doing. Traumatised. Thought no. he'd accidentally had sex with a lady. Oh, my God. Well, condoms don't feature until the second half of this podcast, mm. I think, from the way I've sketched out a plan. So we're going right back, Angela, to the ancient Egyptians. Uh, filthy they were they were bloody filthy they were there we've oh, seen yeah. their smutty graffiti that says i i bird squiggly feather <laughs> disgusting what they put on that wall horus yeah yeah oh, bloody hell it's the they language the whoring horus hey hey but um, hey <laughs> yeah, hang on barnes is on fire tonight <laughs> i recorded what the week last night i'm obviously yeah, in yeah, the he's, zone he's still going he's still pumping you're gonna barge pete dennis out hugh dennis out of the way <laughs> oh dear so Yes, the ancient Egyptians, they um, they record, they, they wrote it down, actually, which is quite useful. And they put honey and acacia leaves and lint inside the vagina to block the sperm. So Lint? Yeah. Isn't that like fluff? No, it's like, no, you're, you know, fluff. I don't know. Isn't it like a sort of cloth, bit of cloth? So that oh, would I be think like of a, lint as being like the stuff that's in your belly button. Yeah, but it would be like fluff, yeah, or lilt. Are yeah. you thinking of, maybe you're thinking of lilt, the drink with a totally <laughs> tropical taste. <laughs> Um, no. Lilt douche. I don't think that's going to do the trick, John. I don't, lilt, lilt doesn't come into it till much, much later. Right. Okay. We had we had we had fresh lilt when I was in the West Indies. It's amazing. Pick them off the <laughs> pick them off the trees. We did. Um, but no. So yeah. So any cloth or sponge. This sort of features all the way through this story. You soak them with honey or special herbs, and it's sort of a recurrent theme. And it's not ridiculous. It does have some effect, but you just can't rely on it. And I'm not sure how nice it is for the ladies. Well, I but, mean. You sort of think, well, in some ways, a sponge would be a barrier method, I suppose. Mm-hmm. If you're going to put a sponge up there, it's yeah. going to block. But also, sponge is pretty famously absorbent. Right, but I suppose hang on to it, I suppose, is the but idea. But I suppose hang on to it. Yeah. I suppose it depends how, I mean, we get. it's going to be impossible to do this podcast, John, without getting a bit graphic. It's, this is, it's going to put, I suppose yeah, it depends a, on the force and how much gets through. Exactly. I'm going to have to put explicit <laughs> on this one when I load it up onto the website. Yeah, I think yeah. you might have to. Here's the other thing they used. Which uh, I'm not sure about this one, but uh, the other thing the ancient Egyptians suggested to use to prevent pregnancy was crocodile dung. Right. I mean, what, you pop it in? Well, I suppose you go fancy a shag tonight. I don't know. We could <laughs> just... just cut <laughs> it's like, you know, it's not romantic, <laughs> is it? Well, I mean, more than anything, I think 
the smell might put me off my stride. That's all I'm saying. Right. I think I might. Oh, God, you've always got an excuse, haven't you, not to do it? Yeah. It's like, well, oh, last, mind, first of all, it's... I've got a headache. Now I don't want to put crocodile dung up my fanny. <laughs> so fussy. <laughs> Honestly. What's wrong with, you know, you want some nice scented candles, <laughs> rose petals, not <laughs> adding crocodile dung into the. And you haven't to chase the crocodile for it. That would be quite stressful, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. you go and get the crocodile done. And make it snappy. But um, hey, oh god, oh, I was avoiding that uh, one, John. I but I always go first base, me straight there. <laughs> Other thing, elephant dung was also recommended. So you know, who knows? Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, because elephants are in um, in Africa. Where's they? this? This is uh, Egypt. In oh, a- Egypt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. suppose you. Yeah, and and you wouldn't. You know, you'd only need one elephant to keep your supply forever. Yeah, you wouldn't run out, would you? Yeah. Where would you keep the rest of it? In well, the fridge. A little bathroom cabinet. Well, what? Yeah. Got my toothbrace, toothbrush, loads of elephant dung. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just popping this under the pillow before we start. <laughs> I hope no one's listening to this episode yeah, hoping we're going to get a serious history of contraception. Because yeah. really, we've chosen I'm, this as a, no, as a no, excuse to be as history. puerile as we no, want to be. No, this is important history. So... <laughs> I mean, the thing to say about all this, contraception, I think yeah. it's always about reducing the chances of conception. I don't think they ever imagined they'd completely prevent it. Maybe they did. Yeah. Um, but it's probably fair to say that most pregnancies throughout history were not planned. And um, right up into the 20th century, you know, um, most, pe- most people were accidents, including me, Angela. You were an accident, I was. John. We went out on my 21st birthday and my brother goes, how come John was like so much later than your other two kids? And my mum went, well, we were very happy when we had that surprise. And I was like, what? It's my <laughs> what? birthday. And my, my brother was going, yes, yes, John's an accident. Hooray. How, <laughs> how much older is your brother he's than like, you? Well, he's only three and a half years, but my sister's like, oh, ten, right. my sister's like t- nearly 10 years older than me. Um, right. And um, my brother's going, that's why he's called John, because he was a hole in the Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> See, my brother's 12 years younger than oh, me. Oh, that looks um, pretty... He, yeah. yeah, his name's Phil, but I like to call him Whoops. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty obvious, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, you know, most I think children just came along when they came along. And um, yeah. uh, that was the sort of... You just of, had to deal with it. to deal with it, yeah. Uh, and of course, um, children weren't, you know... It's hard to talk about in the 21st century, but in certain parts of the world, you know, infanticide was a way that you kept down your numbers of children or yeah, this they is... would die before they were five anyway. Well, this... or, yeah, the ancient know, Greeks, we're just getting on to the ancient Greeks and they did oh, practice, right, so, yeah. they practiced infanticide and they would abandon yeah. babies in the wild. The baby would yeah. get adopted by a she-wolf, grow up to be a great warrior. <laughs> it made loads of great <laughs> legends. All the time, it's in all, all the legends. The so yeah. So yeah, so, so abortion was a, a an option, a, you know, probably quite a cack-handed one and probably a great yeah. danger and to probably the, killed as, probably killed the mum as well as the as, baby. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was widely practiced in, in ancient Greeks and mm. many other And cultures. I think, I mean, it's, it's a tricky, obviously it's a tricky subject. And I think that's why we're steering clear of talking about abortion too much in this one, because that's a whole other yeah, it is, yeah. topic, really. So we're talking very much about, well, it's, yeah. you know, well, contra- preventing the conception, uh, fertilization not what, in the first place. Not what happened after the conception, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so the ancient Greeks, so their, one of their methods was to take sylphium. Now, sylphium is a sort of giant fennel. And that, and that was an oral contraceptive. It's made your breath smell too much for sex. That's probably what it was. But it's, it was really hard to grow sylphium. It only grew on one little island or something, and it became worth its weight in silver. Wow. And so its wow. uh, so its users probably weren't rich because they had so many children anyway. 
because they were using yeah. this stupid sulfur. <laughs> <laughs> but they used loads of plants. They used uh, date palms, willow, pomegranate, which I mentioned before, penny royal, mm. and Queen Anne's lace. Penny royal tea is a thing, isn't it? Is for, it? Um, um, it's supposed to induce abortion. Oh, really? Okay. Penny royal tea. Yeah, it's uh, Nirvana did a song. Was it Nirvana? I'm sure it was Nirvana. Did a song called Penny Royal Tea. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, Queen Anne's lace is still used in India, and it's a sort of wild carrot. And that does have genuine post-coital anti-fertility properties. So uh, yeah, you just shove it up there. No, Angela. <laughs> it's a wild carrot. That's what I do with it. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's just me. Just to say, I mean... don't do this at home, kids. If you're listening, <laughs> generally all the all the crocodile dung. If you're a teenager listening, don't say I heard this podcast and crocodile dung works. Or shove a wild carrot up your 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 foof your foof your foof your, your, foof. your foof your tits and your foof. Don't stick a wild carrot up your foof. Whatever Angela says. Um, Aristotle recommended cedar oil. Put cedar oil on. That would. Um, and then he... What did Aristotle know about? I think you may have. I think you may have stumbled on a, a problem with the yes, thousands yes. of years of mm, of the of <laughs> of, patriarchy. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying really hard. No, not go, to, go, um, go for it. Go for know, it. It is. Um, I, it'll, it'll come. It'll come. It'll it'll we'll come. get there when we get to the, when we get to the wise <laughs> women. But yeah, cedar oil makes it too slippy in there for anything to get a hold. Apparently, don't, don't, <laughs> is that how it works? Don't want to get too much detail there. Uh, you haven't got any seed oil, Castrol GTX. Yes, that'll do. WD forty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, drink copper salt uh, and that again is not completely ineffective but uh, possibly fatal so that's the only downside on that but one. job done job done you know she's not pregnant <laughs> she might be she might be dead in your bed but this is, you know. um, I'm laughing while no. being internally outraged I know, obviously I know, uh, because it is centuries of of men trying to yeah. you know prevent their affairs being found out by you know Society. potentially killing women yeah because you know with their wives they weren't so bothered because having the children and this is well again something we'll come on to isn't it the feminist thing about contraception is because for most of history contraception has been about men controlling it's indeed indeed who has the kid children and who doesn't and and whereas a woman would have to do all the childcare of these millions of children they were forced to have for the men it was just a sign of their virility and, and their... more the merrier yes for their wives yes i mean the only other thing i'd say is uh uh to avoid too large a family was to try and avoid poverty. That's the other thing mm. that where men, it might have been in men's interest yeah. as well not to have lots of children. Uh, if they yeah. were poor, which most people were, that was more mouths to feed, more you know things to clothe. Yeah. So people did want to have it off without always having kids, I think, in both genders. And I think we can probably presume that for, in every culture for thousands of years, couples were practising what was by far the most common and simple method of contraception, and that's, of course, coitus interruptus. 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 Yes. And, you know, this is the method of the man withdrawing before he ejaculates, which sort of depends on the man being very, very responsible. And in, in my experience, John, I have absolutely no qualms at all about leaving that in the hands and mind of a man during the sexual act to be thinking straight, to be responsible, moment, to know yeah, what his yeah, duty yeah. At is. At the moment of his climax, to go, it's not about me. It's not about exactly. me. This isn't about <laughs> me. I need to. I, do what's I best for 100% her. trust every man well, that, with that. That's why humans are almost extinct now, and there aren't billions exactly. and billions of us on the planet. <laughs> um, yeah, I know men have been known to be, you know, utterly responsible and unselfish for thousands of years. Also, <laughs> if you've had a few pints too many, you know, you're not going to do the sensible thing, are you? Let's be honest. No. 
No, uh, exactly. Slightly weird it's got the Latin name still, isn't it? Coitus interruptus. Well, it's because we're very coy, and particularly yeah. British people. And I think we think by saying it in Latin, it makes it somehow okay. It's not many other of, aspects yeah. of sex, though, still referred to in the language of ancient Rome, is it? You wouldn't go, oh, doggy style isn't modus caninus or whatever, is it? <laughs> It is now in my house. Okay, should we do modus caninus? Modus caninus. <laughs> What's the Latin for Pornhub subscription? I want. <laughs> the Romans were against contraception, of course, because they wanted to increase the population of Rome. Yeah, cesarean. Yes. Comes from Caesar's decree about mothers dying in childbirth. Yeah, if a mother died yeah. in childbirth, chop her, chop the baby out with a sword, and, yeah. and the, keep the baby. But uh, one notable Roman uh, method described by the writer Pliny. Mm-hmm. Uh, was for the woman to wait until sunset and then take a piece of deer skin and wrap within it two worms taken from the head of a poisonous spider. I mean... Where did you okay. start with that? Could you unpick, well, could you unpick, unpick that? this. <laughs> <laughs> for a start, uh, do these poisonous spiders always have worms in their head? This was mentioned a couple of times in their books, the worms from the head of a poisonous spider. I mean... I think, the, I think, first of all, I think you might not be in the mood for sex. You know, what's... Yeah, like, once I've decapitated yeah, a spider head... Open its I've, head and got two words. Have you brought something, darling? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I brought the head of a poisonous spider. Look, let's get the worms out. Oh, I'm feeling so sexy now. And the, so they wrap the worms in the deer skin. Yeah, first of all, the deer skin. Who's got a bit of deer skin lying around? I suppose a chamois leather for the car, but that's going back a bit. It, and then what do you do with it? I think. I mean, is it just the action of wrapping no, it in no, the deer skin is enough, too, or you, I, I you think put it, it up be, up your foof? <laughs> up your foof. Everything goes up your foof. Yeah. Just. I don't think if it's, in doubt, stick yeah, something stick up, up your foof. foof. Yes. <laughs> the upper class women in Rome, of course, they would have affairs with eunuchs to be on the safe side. Now this makes sense to me. <laughs> oh, now suddenly you're in favour. I like of it. this. No, it's just you know because women have needs. People right. forgot. You know, I think there was a period, I think in, in ancient Rome and Greece, people realised women had needs. Right. Up until the Victorians who'd like to not think about that. Yeah, and then it yeah. was sort of, you know, this paternalistic nonsense that women didn't have sexual desire. Um, and of course, yeah, have some eunuchs available well, to take It's care not available for everyone, Angela. It's not like Roman eunuchs in your area now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Most Romans used wadding soaked in honey or herbs, and that was commonly believed to work. Another another sort of uh, pessary type situation. And that's the thing, isn't it? That's yeah, seems to be in all cultures. Yeah, is yeah. Soak it, soak some cloth in herbs and stick it up yeah, there. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and hope. <laughs> and then the other one that I spotted on this book was myrrh. Mm-hmm. So, Myrrh? Yeah, as in... As in fra- gold, frankincense and? Yeah, well, so clearly the gift to Mary from the wise man was a really passive-aggressive gift. <laughs> Isn't it? It's like... Yeah, yeah, Joseph might have bought all this <laughs> yeah. son of God's business. We're not but buying we know it, what Ma- you've been up we're, to. We're not buying yeah. it, Mary, love. The virgin birth, <laughs> my foot. Yeah. So next Stick time... Stick up your foof and don't let it happen again. <laughs> next time, use some fucking Myrrh, Okay. Oh, my God. We're either getting cancelled or going to hell. One of those two things is happening from that Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I wonder if people knew that when they read the Bible in the olden days. That was like, like, bloody hell, he gave her more. That's all right. It's like giving her some cops, like giving her a packet of three. Yeah. (laughs) Something for the weekend, Mary. (laughs) There's my application for a priest up the swan. Yeah. (laughs) We're we're never going to host songs of praise, John. Just get over it. Oh, dear. Um... The other one is if you, uh, in, for men, this is one, because you see you complain, Angela, that it's all the women having to put the things up their foof. But the yeah. man, if he imbibed the ashes of a castrated mule, you would take on the qualities of that animal. 
So a mule is infertile right. and you drink mule ashes. Hey, right. presto, you be a, feel a bit sick and your missus is up the dove. It's probably, <laughs> it's probably the reality. I, the thing, I, I read this about the, the castrated mule and then you take on the qualities of that animal. But mules are infertile anyway. Why did you have to castrate the yeah. poor bastard before you killed it? Well, it's already double, infertile. It's about braces, isn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> By the time the Christians get involved, of course, it's they want to make everyone really guilty about all this. So um, Cotus mm-hmm. Interrupters is condemned as onanism, you know, a form of masturbation. Uh, I mean, what's that saying? The woman is still there. But they're saying that the only reason for sex is to have children. Yeah, well, this is particularly in the Catholic Church, Absolutely, isn't it? Yeah. We well, talked about this in our History of Marriage episode. Yes. That um, that's the reason why a gay marriage can't be annulled. Right. Because... Um, it's not been consummated. A, a consummation has to be a set, not just a penetrative sex act, but a penetrative yeah. sex act that could result in a child. So if you have sex with any contraception, you've not consummated the marriage. That's in the eyes of the Catholic Church. So... Um, yeah, but we know, I know that... It's not just about having children because I've got two children and I've had sex several times more than that. At least four times. I can say that with confidence. <laughs> One Christian scholar has condemned the spilling of the seed in coitus with a woman as the sons of Judas did to Thamar. Oh, that's terrible business, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I mean, I I don't know what Judas did to Thamar, but I think they did quite as interrupters. The sons of well, Judas. Well, yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, I mean, you, um, uh, you wouldn't want to do that, would you? You wouldn't go, oh, I'm going to pull out what, like the sons of Judas did to Thamar. Shocking. <laughs> shocking. <laughs> no, shocking. So, yeah. Um, I, I can't I can't hear the phrase spilling the seed or any, because it's that, I, I always hear the Monty Python, yes. every sperm is sacred. Yes. <laughs> Whenever we talk, you talk about the sort of Catholic yes. attitude to contraception. Yes. Um, and that lovely bit in the meaning of life for the baby just falls out of her while she's washing up. <laughs> I'll get that, would you, dear? <laughs> the Bible didn't want to go into too much detail about uh, sex. They talked about unnatural acts in St. Paul. He left out of that. I mean, I would argue that sex is a very natural act. I know, but when he talks well, about unnatural, how you do it. he was talking I mean, about <laughs> anal, I think. I think he was talking oh, about I see, right. an oral sex and stuff like that. And he was, that was what St. Paul didn't. He was just winking. He wanted to keep the Bible as mm. a PG or a 15 at most. There was, uh. there was a thing I read. Um, now, this is going to be one of those things where I half remember something and get all the details a bit wrong right. because I can't remember where it was. And I want to say it was in India, but I might be wrong. There was somewhere where anal sex and oral sex were sort of promoted on the quiet as ways amongst poor populations to avoid pregnancy um, uh, conception. Um, but the women of this particular population didn't want to do oral sex because they associated that with prostitution. Okay. So they, adop- they adopted anal sex okay. uh, as their sort of method of contraception. But then there was a like a um, an epidemic in that region of anal gonorrhea. Ah, thanks for thanks um, for your contribution. So you can't win, can you? Thanks for your contribution, so... Angela. Thanks for the web. This this wedding speech is going different to what I've expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe cut that bit yeah. out when you're thanking yeah. the bridesmaids. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is all yeah. this is all sinful as far as the church was concerned. Anything that was not about just trying to produce kids, any form of sex that was mm. pleasure, any form of sex that wasn't natural acts, as St. Paul wrote in his letters. If a woman had sex during menstruation, it was like mm-hmm. that the children were likely to be born with deformations or leprosy. So I mean, they weren't. They weren't. Scientists, they weren't. science now knows. But they're blaming <laughs> the women again, weren't they? Well, it's always a woman's fault, yeah, isn't yeah, it? It, is, it is. And also, it's if they had sex during menstruation, I think 
quite often they probably didn't have a lot of say in when they had no, sex. No, this is probably true as well, all the way through this story. Yeah. Judaism allows contraception in special circumstances. For example, if a woman's life might be endangered by having a child, which is a bit more progressive. I say that's quite progressive thinking for that time because a woman's uh, the, life yes, is although, even today, you know, amongst your pro-choice. Yes, although before you get... Pro-life, sorry, lot, you know. Oh, before you get too excited, it was also the special circumstances was also if she was a child so it's like okay <laughs> islam was less prescriptive about uh, contraception although i read one islamic scholar saying that the prophet muhammad said even if you spill seed from which a child was meant to be born onto a rock god will bring forth from that rock a child yeah right i'm not sure okay. that's how it works mate <laughs> so hang on if you if you, if you, you have a, on a rock you get a rock baby <laughs> well no you just get a baby and god will go oh no the, the rock your mummy here's your mummy she's a rock Right, okay. I think he was probably away when year seven did natural reproduction. <laughs> I think so, yes. But yeah, so the whole business of avoiding pregnancy involved all sorts of folk remedies, natural herbs, and a lifetime of accumulated knowledge about plants and their powers. And of course, the job of keeping young brides informed about all this fell to the women of the community, the wise women, the older women, uh, who discreetly we advised means, we, we they discreetly advised the young maidens who had the most to lose from getting pregnant over and over again. So Angela. Did the Christian church say, <laughs> well, these younger ladies might benefit from a bit of advice from their wise grandmothers? Or? Or did they say, she's a witch, burn her! Um, yes. It's probably, <laughs> I wonder which of those probably erring towards the second one, I think. It's, I read a thing, um, you know, sort of how brides would wear flowers in their hair? Oh, and yeah. Sort of, and the wise women would put in their flower garlands the herbs that they would need. I think that's quite like you know the so yeah. That's what Carrie the, Simmons was wearing to ward off yeah. the garlic to ward off <laughs> Boris Johnson. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, dear. Dear. I've got I've got loads of jokes I could say about that, but I did them on Mot the Week uh, last night, so and I don't want to risk you know before they, myself before they get cut out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the trouble doing it between recording and transmission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did that. I told you once on Have I Got News for You. I was writing jokes for Angus Deaton, and yeah. they turned down all these jokes. He didn't want any of them. And uh, then Gordon Brown, who was Chancellor of the Exchequer, rang up and said, you've know, got any jokes on this news story? It was just after Labour had been elected in 1997. And I went, oh, actually, I've got a whole page because Angus just rejects them. So <laughs> I, we faxed them over to uh, the Treasury. And then yeah. an hour later, the office of Parliament, the, in, in the office of Have I Got News For You, the, yeah. the parliamentary questions is on. And Gordon Brown is doing all these jokes. And Angus Deaton's sitting there going, you just wrote those jokes for me. <laughs> okay, well, you didn't want them. You didn't want them, so we gave them to the Chancellor. <laughs> So, um, yes, we're talking about uh, the witches, witches, burn the witches. So in 1484, Pope Innocent, don't think he was, Angela, uh, Pope yeah. Innocent VIII. Pope not very innocent. Satire's not dead. <laughs> Pope not very innocent VIII. He issued a papal bull. It's probably something you could do with that uh -huh. word, Angela. <laughs> yeah, dead. they probably castrated it and then uh, killed it and then you ate its embers. It's a load of what? old bull, wasn't it? It's a load of old bull. Yeah. Um, and he yeah. giving... oh, I missed the obvious oh, yeah, one sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll take that again. Uh, <laughs> He issued a papal bull giving full approval for punishing witches for having slain infants in their mother's womb. So that's obviously abortion and hindering men from performing the sexual act and women from conceiving. Witches accused of having the power to steal men's penises. I mean, technically, right. we've all got the power to steal men's penises. I suppose that's what. Yes. But do they, do they exercise know. that power? Lorraine, Did they exercise that power? Lorraine Bobbitt. Lorraine Bobbitt. <laughs> we both went to Lorraine Bobbitt. <laughs> Hard thing to test in court, isn't it? She stole my penis. 
Okay, well, show yeah. us then. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to take my trousers down. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you're going to have to just take my word for it. Yeah, but if you haven't got a penis, yeah, then yeah. there's nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, it wouldn't stand up in court, would it? Hey! <laughs> oh, oh, High five oh, across the Oh, classics tonight. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so there's one study that believes that there's a correlation between the persecution of witches and the increase in the population of Europe. So uh, That's fascinating, The more wise women who were murdered, the less advice there was to help avoid pregnancy. It's not proven um, this. It's a theory, and it's sort of someone's done to work on it. Um, mm. But, you know, there was this mysterious female power outside the patriarchy of the established church. Uh, and they didn't like they it, didn't, did they? They did not like it, Angela, the, the, the no. patriarchy. I think we are go- we are planning to do a witchy episode. Oh, yeah, that would be good, too, I think, at some I point. Think. Yeah. I've got, I, I bought a book recently on the... Um, oh, that would have been enough oh, in the olden days. Called... <laughs> that would have been enough in the olden days <laughs> to get you, get you burned at the stake in Brighton. <laughs> Down the road in Lewis, mate, when November the 5th, they'd have you up there. The Pendle Witches, that's the word. Oh, I yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of this anyway. advice did make a difference, it should be said. There's herbs that have been mm. tested on rats in modern times, mm. which greatly reduce the chance of a fertilised egg attaching itself to the cell wall. It's amazing how over centuries they just worked out what all these herbs did. Yeah. You know, they had these properties that, without the benefits of, you know, laboratories and yeah, science. Yeah, it's trial and error, wasn't it, really? Out. It's pretty yeah. amazing that... Yeah. I mean, some maybe of it was... There were clear. witches, John. Maybe there were. Some, some bit of advice was clearly nonsense. One of them was, you should eat a bee and then you won't have any more children. Again. Don't try this at again, home. <laughs> don't. Teenagers <laughs> listening, this doesn't work. Uh, a bee. Another one. Mix the milk of a she-ass with a little myrtle and a berry of a black ivy or some corim to be worn after having been wrapped in the skin of a hare or a stag. I mean it. Coitus interrupt is just easier, isn't it? <laughs> it's a lot of faff all it's that, just isn't easier. it? <laughs> it's a lot of faff. <laughs> a lot of faff for the foof. Um, <laughs> it's fancy a quick shag. Well, hang on. I've just got a, hang on. I've got a skin of stag first and then find some ass's milk and myrtle. I've got some round here somewhere. <laughs> hang on. Oh, it's in the yeah, bathroom cabinet next to the crocodile dung. It's bad enough trying to find a condom. I know. Much of this knowledge, obviously, was written down, but it was later destroyed or omitted from reprints. So there's a whole swathe of history mm. that's sort of been lost. Uh, or maybe it's just as well, because the people who believe in homeopathy would be selling crocodile oh, God. dung. And the women who bought Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina candle would all be pregnant. Oh, God, don't let them breathe. For centuries, there was this notion that women had to feel sexual pleasure in order to conceive. And so victims of rape or child abuse could be blamed for getting pregnant. It's almost, John. Yes. It's almost as if it's the women who always get the blame. Oh, I think you're going a bit far there, if you don't mind me saying. But there was, um, there was a, a theory, wasn't there, that female orgasm... Yes, led conserve, to yes, yes, conception. Yes, the release of the so two that seeds. Yeah. That was another sort of yeah. prescribed method of contraception yeah. was just make sure the woman never has an orgasm, which for a lot of relationships probably wasn't a problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Quite. I don't think throughout yeah. history men have been particularly concerned about the female orgasm. Oh, here we go again. so anyway they'll get to the reformation uh, and attitudes change the protestants and catholics have very different attitudes to sex it's a great marketing tool for this new religion sex sex is okay yeah i think we could do it i'll have that one i'll go with that branch of religion please one where i don't burn in hell for all eternity for enjoying sex with my wife but not wanting a kid each time i do it so all this time people were ignoring the church and practicing coitus interruptus using wadding or sponges as we said the other one was a vaginal douche. That word. Douche. douche. Vaginal douche. A foof, a foof douche. A foof douche. Foof douche. Yeah. The book I read, <laughs> Angela, kept talking about bee days, which I thought was very confusing because I don't know what washing your feet has got to do with any of these. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Not everyone had a bidet, of course, back then. If you've got a tiny peasant hovel, there's not room in between yeah. the shower, the bath and the WC. Should we have a bidet? Should we have a bidet? Yeah. <laughs> Next to the latrine we've yeah. dug. <laughs> they were very uh, common in brothels, of course. So their, their image mm. was very tainted for hundreds of years as far as Middle England was concerned. There was a real time in the... Um, sort of 80s I think when, when bathroom suites would have a bit like I remember going to friends houses and lots of them had bidets we got a bidet like if you got a bidet I got a bidet I've never had house with a bidet we didn't have it put in it was in the house when we bought it and most right, of the time yeah. it was used for just piling up plastic children's toys because they're in the bath I next think, to it you know? <laughs> I think it was in a time of the sort of same time as the avocado bathroom suite I think you got a bidet in those pretty and then it just sort of stopped by the 90s, I think. Bathroom suites from the 90s on didn't tend to have... It's just I, I associate it with mm. uh, pre-revolutionary uh, French brothels. Is my, that's why I think B-Day. <laughs> you associate everything with pre-revolutionary French brothels. That's true. That's a fair comment, actually. Selfie man. <laughs> Should we get a B-Day, darling? Not in Godalming. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, so um, if they didn't have a B-Day, then there were special syringes you could use for your for your foof douche. And frankly, it's all very embarrassing to talk about and, and, and picture. <laughs> prostitutes would go on top in the belief that their movements could prevent the semen from getting too far. They used to tell prostitutes to do jumping jacks afterwards as well. thought that would dislodge. Blimey. There, was lot, there, there were lots of theories about... Um, Shaking it dislodging. out. So like the douche would dislodge. Yeah, yeah. Or about sort of certain sexual positions or... Yeah. or yeah, ways women should like stand on their head afterwards and things like that. And the worms yeah. from the head of a poisonous spider. And the worms from the head of a spider. Yeah. God, yeah. I use that. But the main <laughs> method became for prostitutes the condom. The development of the condom was more about preventing the transmission of diseases than preventing pregnancy. And also, it's more about preventing the transmission of diseases to men, particularly like armed forces. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, with the arrival of the condom, Angela, that's perhaps where we should take a short break. While John goes to the chemist to buy a comb, <laughs> a packet of aspirin, and this small box of thingamajigs as well, please. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to We Are History, where we are talking about Johnny's. Johnny. We are. Do you remember the first time you saw a condom, Angela? I do remember the first oh. time I saw a condom. In my, oh, it makes me feel a bit sick. In my stepdad's bedside cabinet oh and okay. um saw the packet but i didn't know what i sort of got one out oh god well, we found but, some yeah. we found some in the some sort of cricket hut or something in bray and uh we uh, took them back and filled them up with water and threw them off the garage roof it was brilliant fun but this is watertight <laughs> is all i'll say that was some sort of you know early sort of <laughs> yeah, reassurance at least you knew it. yeah in 94 the blur single girls and boys the, yeah the cassette single yeah um, we'd love to explain to anyone under 30 what a cassette is but yeah. i'm sure you can imagine one was designed to look like a condom packet. Oh, right. And um, my first boyfriend was, uh, his mum found, he had this that cassette and started bollocking him for having condoms. And then he had to go, mum, look at what it actually is. <laughs> she realised it was a tape. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember Arthur Smith used to have this joke. He goes, I haven't had sex for so long. My, the condom in my wallet is past its fuck by date. <laughs> 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 so the first mention of a condom comes in the mid-1500s in the work of an Italian anatomist, Gabriella Fallopia. Fallopia. Oh, as in the tubes. Yeah, not the not the underground tube. I'm getting the fallopian line. Yeah, yeah. Engineering works on the fallopian line. <laughs> <laughs> Change at cervix. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, he talks about covering the male member with a linen cloth which should be moistened. 
so mm. that was like, uh, and if you remember, I don't know if you know the play Othello, but Desdemona leaves a handkerchief in Cassio's bedroom, and that's obviously yeah. laden with innuendo, much worse than leaving well, her the, iPhone. The, the cloth was. It the wasn't laden, laden with something other than Look at this, but he's still got innuendo on it. Yeah, he's got innuendo all over my car. <laughs> so it's better, it's better than that, my food. Better than that, my food. So, so, yeah, it took a long time before these early cloth condoms could be purchased from the machine in the pub toilets, obviously. Cloth condoms, again, it's that, I mean, How good they is are that? porous. They cloth. are, I know. It's, it's like, it's not, you wouldn't chuck that off the garage roof, would you? No. Fill it up with water. But of course, this is before the invention of rubber, um, yeah, yeah. rubber or crisp packets. And, oh, know, God, which, yeah, yeah. Um, that's so. <laughs> I remember when I first went into uh, toilets with my dad and public toilets and there'd be a condom machine on the wall and the embarrassment I would feel. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, my dad knocked himself out on a condom machine in a pub he? toilet. That's he, pretty impressive. He wasn't even drunk. He went to the loo in a pub, like in a yeah. country pub somewhere. He was with his friend. And um, while he was in the toilets, there was a power cut and all the lights went out. Oh, my God. And he was trying to find his way out of the, and walked into like the corner of the condom, the condom machine out. and knocked himself out. And eventually Shit. they couldn't find him. He came and he was like on the floor. Bleeding. Oh, with all these condoms popping out of the machine. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It was always a little joke, wasn't it? The uh, little kid going, Daddy, can I have some of that bubble gum? No, dear, I don't think you'd like that flavour. <laughs> yes. Flavoured condoms, um, of course. Is, um, yes, I yeah, that was like a 90s thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was sort of The thing about flavoured condoms is they only have the flavour for a bit and then they all end up tasting of rubber. Right. I remember getting a lager and lime one once. <laughs> lager and lime. Because <laughs> I'm all about the romance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And also, my, this is, I've forgotten this. My ex got, it was my birthday, right? Yeah. And he thought it'd be really funny. He found these glow-in-the-dark condoms. Okay. And he thought it'd be really funny. And, like, it was my birthday. We'd been out. We went home. Let me tell you, there's nothing more of a passion killer than a man walking into a dark room a glow wearing in the dark. nothing but a glow-in-the-dark uh, Don't picture this at home. <laughs> don't, don't even imagine it, everyone. It's like being done by E.T.'s finger. <laughs> <laughs> So condoms uh, were found at Dudley Castle, thought to be from the 1640s. That's how long they go back. Wow. Um, and uh, no one could be certain about the origin of the name. In 1709, Tatler magazine claimed they were named after the inventor, but there's no evidence of a Mr. or Mrs. Condom. <laughs> Imagine a poor kid They were in teased. school. They would have been teased, wouldn't they? Oh, wouldn't you? <laughs> Apparently the Persian word for animal gut is condu. Uh, so that might be that. Okay. Or the Latin phrase yeah. to sheath one's swords is condere gladium. Um, well, that's where I think I've heard that before. And also because it's also known as a sheath. Yeah, yeah. So, so that might be true. In fact, so long before old Mr. Fallopia or Signora mm. Fallopia uh, was naming the tube, there were primitive condoms made from animal gut washed out, hopefully. Oh, God. And tied at one end. The smell. Could you imagine the smell? Mm, for that extra sensitive mm. sensual lovemaking. Use sheep intestines. Oh, God. <laughs> and then you can rinse it out and make haggis. <laughs> That's what haggis is. What? Haggis is used <laughs> condoms stuffed with old porridge. <laughs> Casanova describes using um, English raincoats, as he called them. And mm. by the end of the 18th century, they were available in chemist shops in London. You have bladder mm. or intestines softened by a special treatment. Uh, obviously, they're very expensive and mainly used by the upper classes. In England, they're known as French letters. And in, in France, they were known as English hoods. That's right. And then you've got the Dutch cap, which is actually uh, not for any sort of racism. I think it came via Holland. Um, yeah, well, it was the first family planning clinic was in Holland in 1882. Oh, OK. That's... 
Um, I can't remember what it was called, but yeah, that's why it was. Although they, it was a German invention, Messinger by Mensinger. Yeah, Mensinger, um, the German gynecologist. German gynecologist. Yep. Um, but yeah, they were first offered in this clinic because they were pretty much they designed them. Uh, they were pretty much illegal everywhere. They had to be. Yeah. Like in America, they were illegal for a really long time, and so people had to. Doctors would fit them. Yeah. And then say to the women they fitted them on, like if you know anyone that's going to. Holland or France or England, could you get them to wow. bring some back insane, to replace the one it? we've just given you? Because our, that's how the supply works. Wow. They can yeah. import them. Yes. Yeah. Um, in 1844, the vulcanization of rubber was patented by Charles Goodyear. It's nothing to do with Leonard Nimoy. No. Right, no, no, they didn't have pointy ears. On, they didn't have pointy ears <laughs> on the side. Um, uh, but the, that was so we had the first rubber condoms in 1855 and that was as thick as a bicycle in a tube uh, wow. which you could use if you yeah if you're short money, money spoke on it. yeah <laughs> as long as you sealed one end yeah yeah just tie a firm <laughs> knot on it we talked about these in um the aids thing didn't we in our aids podcast didn't we about the one you washed out and reused and there was the guy in the ad in the 80s talking about geronimo that's right somebody sent us a link to the youtube ad they did yeah that's right george yeah. bernard shaw declared the condom the greatest invention of the 19th century so that's uh yes yeah, interesting take on it and then 1929 <laughs> latex condoms were invented and apparently these were less of a fire risk it said in the book well yes because if you're really going at it the friction <laughs> I think, obviously is a problem I, I think there were lots of rubber factories burned down oh right, so you in mean the, in the, the factory, factory right, where they okay, were stored you, yeah. not while you're having so <laughs> okay my bad yeah so um, religious attitudes I mean if you've never started a fire doing yeah, it John, yeah. then, well maybe know, what am I missing you, out I'm doing it wrong you're not doing it right re- that's all I can say <laughs> so religious attitudes had obviously uh, been eclipsed by um, uh, Malthusian's theory about population growth Thomas Roberts Malthus yes Malthus. he wrote in 1798 he wrote his theory about population which is all a bit fascist and a bit like mm. population needs to be controlled or checked by famine and war basically blame poverty on the poor for having too many children but the tide turned in favour of population control as a curve soared upwards in the 1800s but despite this in 1853 Rome first spoke out about the sinfulness of condoms uh, Mm. while over in the very religious USA the Comstock Act of 1873 forbade advertising of contraceptives Uh, and there were lots of state laws along the same lines Connecticut was the worst for some reason not only was it illegal to possess or sell contraceptives. The possession of written material about them was against the law. It was even illegal to pass on information about contraceptives by word of mouth. So technically in 1853, they were still sort of prosecuting wise women. Yeah, yeah, they were. But people were still obviously doing it. Um, In 1892, an American doctor, Clelia Duell-Mosher, questioned married women born in the 1850s and 60s about their sexual behaviour. 42% used vaginal douching, one quarter coitus interruptus, and one fifth used the rhythm method. And the rhythm method being the one about um, uh, using dates, like a a woman's menstrual cycle. But you have to admit, people didn't understand the menstrual cycle then in the way... We no. do now as well. They no. didn't really know until much later when ovulation actually occurred. Yeah. So it was yeah. all a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, not until 1965, the Constop Act was overturned wow. by the Supreme Court. I mean, it, it, all this time, people have been ignoring it, and condoms were supplied to US troops all through the war. And, you know, uh, contraception had become widespread in the, in the US. Yeah. In defiance I, con- of the war. I found that really interesting the con- condoms to the military thing. So in First World War, say, or whatever, um, Obviously, 
it's a problem if your troops get sexually transmitted diseases. Yes. And there were field brothels. Like yes. we have to, yeah. except there were, you know, brothels designated for soldiers yeah. on the, you know, just, just next to the battlefield. Yeah, yeah. And they would be issued with condoms, soldiers. Yes. But they would all be given like really militaristic names. Oh, like really? Attack. <laughs> or yeah. it's just so, it's so gross. It's, all of it. So just sort of. Yes. Oh, God. God. Many Macho. more members. Oh. Ugh. Honestly, with their, their boy, their boy, they're not their that boy great, foofs. guys. I mean, they're fine. They're fine. You know, they do a job. They're no foofs. Absolutely. So, in 1972, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that unmarried couples should have the same access to contraception as married. I mean, that's so recent mm. and disgusting and shameful. And it's no wonder they all had long hair and flared trousers. That's exactly job. right. Honestly, bloody hippies. <laughs> you know, in Britain, uh, the leading figures in the education around contraception was Mary Stopes, and she wrote the book mm. Married Love in 1918. Um, yes. I have the pop-up version, actually. Oh, John. <laughs> doesn't pop up like it used to. But I'm just, oh, John. Go there. No. Oh, John. <laughs> the chapter on contraception advised people on how to have great sex. So you can imagine 1918, mm. this was quite something, but it was to avoid, you know, failed marriages. I mean, Mary, Mary Stopes is a difficult character. Yes. To, because she sort of progressed feminism, yeah. but only really for white women. Yes, she was eugenicist, um, wasn't she? She was a, well, not only was she a, I mean, she was a proper, fully card-carrying eugenicist. You know, when she died in 1958, she bequeathed her clinics to the Eugenics Society. Wow. After the, after yeah. the Second World War, I thought it was pretty, uh, yeah, after discredited, you know, by then. Yeah, well, it had been, really. Yeah. But this is 1958. She was still, um, you know, and her concerns were about inverted commas, racial darkness wow um her her institution was called the society for constructive birth control and racial progress i'll read a, a quote she said i agree that the present position of breeding chiefly from the c3 population i.e non-white and burdening and discouraging the a1 is nationally deplorable and if I, and she asked mps in the 1922 election to sign a declaration that said, if I'm elected to Parliament, I'll press the Ministry of Health to give such scientific information through the antenatal clinics and other institutions in its control as will curtail the C3 and increase the A1. Wow. So that's so outright was, racism. Outright racism. She was completely against mixed marriages and mixed unions. Um, she described uh, mixed race marriages. Uh, well, she said that all, in her words, half caste should be sterilised at birth. Wow. God. Um, so, this you know, because well, I was always brought up thinking Mary Stokes was this sort of progressive, which she was on one hand. I think our listeners are intelligent enough to hold two things in their head at once, which is yeah, that what absolutely. she did on birth control and offering advice on abortion and contraception to women of all classes was good. And her mm. attitudes on race uh, and eugenics were terrible. And that, uh, you know, that is a very complex figure in history. Do you know, during her lifetime, this is something I didn't know as well, because we think of Mary Stokes as the abortion clinic. Yes. But actually, her during her lifetime, her clinics didn't offer that service at all. Okay. She had to publicly be opposed to abortion. And she would herself pursue abortion providers and use the police and courts to prosecute them. Okay, blimey. But her private actions were a bit at odds with that. She would give advice to people, but... Not in her clinics. Yeah. Never were during her lifetime abortion clinics. Well, there were Mary Stopes clinics all over the world and all over the country, mm. but they've changed their name now. The Mary Stopes Institute is now MSI because her name's dropped because yeah. of her support for eugenics and the things you're talking yeah. about. You know, but she did change opinions about contraception in this country. Mm. And because of her huge influence, partly, 
in the 1930s, the Anglican Church suddenly sanctioned the use of contraception by married couples. And that was a, you know, a, big, it's a big deal, deal compared to sort of what's going on in America. So by the 1950s, yeah. 60% of married couples were using condoms. And that year, 1930, also saw the creation of the National Birth Control Council, later Planning, Family Planning Association, which is still active in the health service. Yeah. Thank you, Tolly. Thank you, Tolly. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the scientists in the USA were looking for a way of using female hormones to prevent pregnancy. Now you know what we're coming up to, Angela. The yep, science that became up. the pill. The pill. So the saviour of women uh, while uh, also causing them shitloads of problems. Yes. But we don't talk about that. Yes. Women and former suffragists were involved in the development of the pill. Uh, Margaret Sanger and Catherine McCormick funded the development. She put two million of her own money into it. Wow. And they uh, they tried the, this pill out that was being developed with scientists. They tried it in Puerto Rico and Haiti. Obviously didn't want the white Americans with lawyers <laughs> doing... Exactly. We're, we're testing on people that <laughs> definitely can't afford to sue us. That's yes. what we'll do. <laughs> But because of the situation and the politics and the Christianity of America, it was marketed in the 50s for menstrual disorders like excessive pain right. and irregularity. And they got around the controversy Clever. for its real purpose. But 1961, over a million women were taking it. I mean, there were lots of side effects. You know, there was this whole furore recently about the AstraZeneca vaccination causing I know. blood clots. But when you look at the stats of the blood clots in women on the pill, like it's, yeah. it's real problems. I yeah. had real problems when I tried to take the pill. I couldn't. Oh, right. No one talks about that. The fact no. that the risk of taking it, you know, of cancers, of blood clots, and way higher. You've got than, a way up. You've no, got but, a way up. Yeah, risk, but, but AstraZeneca is saving your life, and possibly, and yeah. the the chances are very remote. The pill, oh, like one in however many yeah, million. Yeah. and the pill you know. is much higher. And, much, yeah. much higher. One in it's something like one in a hundred thousand, yeah, which is, this is a, you know, enough. Yeah, when yeah. a lot of the female population yeah. is on it, yeah. that's a lot of people. The side effects weren't sort of the first side effects weren't really recognised for at least a decade. Weirdly, it was approved because women were taking it. Johnny, men were taking it. They would have been recognised instantly. We took the castrated mule ashes. Oh please! <laughs> you, have you ever Do tasted the ashes of castrated mule? It's horrible. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. <laughs> Weirdly, in the UK, the pill was approved for use by Minister of Health Enoch Powell. So that's, a, right. that's not quite fitting into the <laughs> image I've got of him. Yeah, but he probably had mistresses. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. I bet he did nothing. But according to, yes, according to the right-wing shock jock Alex Jones, another side of the effect of the pill is that estrogen is getting into the water supply and turning all the frogs gay. So, And what's wrong with gay frogs? <laughs> yeah. Though? Hey, Alex. It is Pride Month. Yeah. Celebrate the gay frogs. That's what I say. So at the, at the moment, there's about a billion women in the world taking the pill. And so we wow. should remember that for many, it was a great liberation. And lots of women yeah. didn't get pregnant. And, and yeah. yeah, I don't want to be, you yeah. know, anti, I'm not anti the pill. And yeah. like you say, it was a liberation for a lot of women. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but, but I and, think and even they had control over their, their fertility, their contraception. Because for yeah. a long time as well, and I think we sort of mentioned it, but contraception was... It had to be with the man's permission. Uh, oh yeah, and, you know, and him deciding. You, to put if on the a condom man didn't not. want to wear a condom or didn't yeah. want you to use a vaginal douche or yeah, whatever, yeah. you did it. You know, whereas the pill is something you could do without them even knowing. Exactly, exactly. Um, you, know, you had uh, agency suddenly. So, so the baby boom ends in the mid '60s, just as it becomes widely available. You can see the population mm. fall off as the as the use of the pill goes upwards. After oh, too late. Thank too, God, because we could do without more boomers. Jesus. Too too Sorry, late John. for me. Are you a boomer? I am a boomer. I'm, I'm bef you are, born you're just before. a boomer. Yeah, just. So yeah, 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 yeah. My my daughter replies to my text with "Okay, boomer." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're a boomer. I'm a I'm a 
Generation X. Oh, you're okay. I'm not a millennial. No, I no. want to make that clear to anybody listening. Still no pill for men, Angela. I don't know if you've got any, got any opinions about that. None at all, John. No. None the, at all. In the 1970s, 6% of the research money in the US was investigating methods of male pills, you know, compared to 94 for women's uh, pills. I mean, there is there is part of me, obviously, I that's insane. Yeah. But there is part of me that goes, well, would I trust the man? Well, that's, that's Because true. the bottom line is... That, you know, in an unwanted pregnancy, it's always the woman who has the burden and has, you know, yeah. a man has the option to just bugger off. Yes, indeed. So would I trust them 100%? This was a lot of the, this is a lot of what people said during the search and why people wouldn't invest in the research for mm. a male pill. It should be an option, I think, particularly in a marriage where you do trust each other and you do, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, um, or I could watch him take it every morning and make sure. Yeah, like, and in that situation. then the man could have the uh, side effects and the acne and the bloody yeah, mood swings. Exactly, and the, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I remember when I was on the pill, it made me um, really quite aggressive, which I'm not an aggressive person. Wow, I'm very nice. And I remember my ex going, "Well, it's the best contraception in the world because I don't want to go anywhere near you." That's funny. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah, it that, 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 <laughs> that and crocodile done. So, yeah. <laughs> in 1992, the female condom was marketed. I don't know if you remember that. Femidom, I do. Look yeah. like a bin bag. The Danish doctor like was, a Hoover bag. The Danish doctor invented it. It was called Lassa Hassel. So, it sounds like <laughs> less hassle, which is what every man was hoping for anyway. But not, not a huge oh. success. Yeah. No. They just they were just cumbersome and not very yeah. and it's not like hang on a minute while i shove this in i don't know there was something very yeah. same with i mean the cap was a problem in the same way in the and the problems with the caps were you had to um insert them which took time yeah. you had to learn how to do that which is a bit fiddly you had to cover them in spermicide which started, started to kill the moment like really kills me and then you have to leave it up there for a while right afterwards and then you have to remember to take it out and wash it and you know it's all a lot of Faff in your foof. Yes. I knew a girl who um, had a lesson in contraception at school and her teacher, some private school, her teacher said, the best contraception is the word no. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, it works, works a treat, that one. Yes. When I, when I was a student nurse, we did a module on um, health education where we had to learn how to teach teenagers about contraception. Okay. Right? And in this lesson, so we had to sort of, give a presentation to the rest of the class on how we would do it if we were talking to a load of teenagers. So, uh, and we were given these polystyrene penises oh God. to demonstrate, and that's what they would use in classrooms yeah, yeah. to demonstrate how to put a condom on. And of course, at the end of the class, we all just took them home with us. So in my student nurses' accommodation, we used them as tea towel racks in the kitchen. <laughs> that's the thousands of years of uh, contraception. Story of the yeah. church and the state and uh, men, I will concede, in general, denying women any say in the number of children they have, where they might have sex for pleasure, and blaming the and women. And, of course, blaming women when it all went tits up. All that said, yes. we've come a long way from crocodile dung, Angela. Thank God. And um, we can have sex as often as we want without the risk of unwanted pregnancy. But we're all too yeah. tired. But I'm in my 40s. <laughs> Stay there watching telly. We've drunk a lot of rosy. It's not going to happen. And that's, this is why the human race will really die out. We're just all too tired. Too many box sets yeah, I know. to get through. I know, there's too much good That's things a, to watch. It's like a job. Too many podcasts to listen to, Angela. <laughs> if we prevent one pregnancy through yeah. you listening to this podcast, then our job is, here is, is done. done. And of course, John, we all know what the best contraception in the world is. It is 
hanging out with other people's children. Oh. <laughs> that, that's always done the trick for me. It's like, do you want to do it tonight, dear? No, I've spent the day with a toddler. I'm not doing it ever again. <laughs> yes, good point. Um, on that bombshell and on the realisation that Angela would have been burnt in the Middle Ages as a witch. Yeah. Um, for many reasons. For many reasons. <laughs> we'll sign out of this week's We Are History. Give us five stars, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or what you can do is what one lovely person did on, uh, uh, I was going to say on Twitter, not on Twitter, on the old uh, Apple podcast, is gave us a beautiful glowing review and then accidentally only pressed one star. Oh, no, I don't think it was which... actually, I think he thought that one star was the top. This, I'm going to give this a one. I'm going to give this a one. It was so good. <laughs> Thank you for your reviews. We do appreciate them. We really do. And it gives us a little, you know, it makes it feel worthwhile to know you're out there listening when you tweet us and and reviews and stuff but that is that is gonna be it now angela isn't it this is uh, the last one of the series yeah we're gonna have a little break well i say a little break john it's more that we're just so bloody busy that um because these take a lot of time lots of books to read we read the books so you don't have to turns out takes takes time so i know we're sorry we didn't (laughs) warn you we were ending the series there but we're we're withdrawing suddenly (laughs) how apt podcast interrupt us if you will i don't know when we're going to be back actually because i've got to go to new york for most of the autumn and uh well i've got to go to uh, brighton bristol (laughs) (laughs) but my we might try and do a transatlantic podcast i might see if i can record it you know, we can do it. Yeah, if we can make the timings work, it'll be fun. But yeah, I think we'll go and enjoy your summers. Go back to the beginning because you'll have forgotten all the episodes anyway. We're waiting for more history to happen before we do podcasts about it. But (laughs) in the meantime, yeah, enjoy the back catalogue. Have a great summer. And thank you for listening. Thank you to Spike, our producer, who does a fantastic job. Oh, brilliant Spike. Lovely Spike, who sits on the Zoom watching us chat every week, occasionally looking like what are they talking about what are these old people going on about (laughs) these old should i get them help is it dementia or is just this just what old people are like and angela good luck with your (laughs) wedding in september if we don't speak before then Thank you very uh, much, very John. Um, yeah. yeah, it's quite exciting. Well, hopefully it'll happen. Yeah. Who knows between now and September in these strange times. Some, but, um, somebody on our Twitter crossed. feed sent a picture of a, a nuclear bunker where you can stay for the night. I saw I, that. It's perfect honeymoon for Angela, I thought. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening. <laughs> my Hindu's in a bunker, by the oh, way. I've probably mentioned that. No, I'm it not is, invited yeah. to that. It's women only. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for listening. Coming to the wedding, John. That's enough. <laughs> I am. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.